Hello and welcome back to Blacker Couch Reviews. I'm your host Christina. We're back for the fifth episode of the miniseries Bodies. We are One Another's Ghosts, written by Paul Tomlin, directed by Halu Wong. I thought this was a good episode for the impacts of some of the reveals, but I found myself frustrated, particularly with our future storyline. Maplewood and how she reacted. Maybe my frustration is my disappointment at her reaction. But I do feel with some of the storylines, Healing Head is the one actually I had the, the biggest issue with. That some of it was a little bit, we knew this was coming and now here's the moment in which the characters are confronted with that. So we were watching them play catch up more so than we were catching up with some of the events that were occurring. But overall, a really good episode. Before we jump into the recap and review, wherever you listen to this podcast, go down to the rating section, drop some stars, leave a review. My social media will be there as well like share subscribe and if you want to send feedback on the next episode blackercouch at gmail.com or you can leave a comment below we are one another's ghosts are the last words of this episode between hassan and elias mannix also known as julian harker but that is not where we are going to begin the episode. We're going to go through the storylines as they were presented to us. And thus 1941 and Carl is where we begin. He goes to the synagogue, talks to his rabbi. He's still bleeding. The rabbi knew his mother. He tells them, I treat people the way they treat me. And I've made peace with that. The state of the world right now and the fate of our people with Hitler running around. If he wins, he's probably even made peace with that. Considering the continued persecution of Jews throughout the centuries, it seems as if each generation gets their fair share. But then there was this child named Esther who showed up and gave him a reason to think maybe there's something more. And now she's dead because of his choices, not by his hand, but by his choices. He wonders if God can offer mercy, but the one he needs to seek mercy from is the child herself. So he goes to visit his boss with a gun in hand, which he cocks after he closes the door. Hello. Is it me you I will say I did not expect this interaction to go the way in which it did because it felt as if Calloway had it out for for our guy but our guy had every reason for Calloway to be staring at him and it turns out he comes to him not to blackmail him well yeah to do that as well but to request help I think you not pointing a gun. Well, I suppose how he felt in that moment, I show up 
he sees me bleeding he knows there's a cop in the morgue he knows the girl esther he was looking for is in the morgue and the only person that's connecting any of this is himself Beck Halloway actually hears him out, patches up his wound. Turns out his boss is clean and he knows that that isn't something that's easy to do. Carl admits his own wrongdoings and due to his gambling debts, he became, he became beholden to Polly where he would do odd jobs. He readily admits to killing cousins to frame him for the body in the boot, but he didn't kill that body. He also didn't kill the other guy. Well, he was, uh, I don't know if he could be murdered for, or he could be hanged for that death because I kind of feel like that dude also was the bearer of his own fate. All he wants now is justice for Esther and to help flush out the dirty cops in his department. And since he didn't throw him in a cell and clearly is offering himself up as consequence, it's a good deal for the chief. So Callaway goes down and tells the entire office that they're reopening the investigation now that they have evidence that Cousins Cousins was indeed framed. And Carl listens to the calls coming into the office with the call girls or the dispatch girls to see who is the rat that gave up Esther being still looked for turns out it's his friend Kathleen they were threatening her son he promises that he'll protect the son you just need to give me the information on these people and their next lead leads them to Harker Bank where he quickly finds Polly with his boss well his boss went there with him why do I feel the need to clarify that like you have not watched the episode he knocks out his boss Calloway He's like, I'm sorry for this. What? My right hook. And takes Polly hostage with a gun, bundling her up in the car with no, you are loved. Gotcha, bitch. He takes her to the synagogue, which I thought was very appropriate. That rabbi seemed to mysteriously vanish. And there's a man holding a gun to someone else. And they took out one of your own. And she says, you're searching for answers from your god he said no i just want him to see the hole that i put through your head when i fire off this bullet she believes it isn't her time yet so he tests that theory with some russian roulette no matter how much you want to believe yourself a badass in that moment there are six bullets and it's (laughs) counting down real quick she can't say anything that would relieve his grief. He wouldn't do it. So if uh, he wouldn't do it, killing Esther. So it fell to her. In the business, you deal with crazies. She says Carl reminds her of her father being so brazenly stubborn and never finding the answer to the mystery of Defoe. I feel Carl's frustration here. I would have taken her away. You would have never heard from her again why did you have to kill her why did you have to take her life and her answers are not satisfactory oh there was too much to risk oh it had to happen but that's what you believe 
There's nothing to say they couldn't have lived happily ever after somewhere in the middle of a war on another continent and it wouldn't have been a problem for you. When he gets down to his last bullet, because none of her answers, as I pointed out, uh, offers any mercy (laughs) to what he wants to do, his boss gets him to stop, hands over the gun, and says, be a cop for once. Let justice do its thing. And he arrests them both for their respectable murders. And Carl's not regretful at all. Like, you know what? You do what you got to do. I'm okay with my neck snapping as long as I know yours will be snapping too. Then his boss comes in, Callaway's boss, and says, I told you to wait for backup. Now release Polly. Unfortunately, Callaway proved himself good to the end and objects to this brazen (laughs) release of a of a suspect and is murdered by none other than Polly's son. Man, fuck you, motherfucker. For some reason, they knock Carl out instead of killing him as I would have expected. But do things really have to go exactly as planned? I would think at this point in the storyline, maybe, just maybe, some things can be altered. And considering what we know in our next story arc in 2023, that's the motherfucker that's going to kill him. Speaking of, Hassan is found by Barber in the vault that Andrew Morley locked her in. But when she's released, all the evidence that was there has been removed. Did I know her name was Shahara? Shahara? It's a very pretty name. He uses it when he tells her, while he knows something else may be occurring, you're falling down a rabbit hole and I have to draw a line. She gets back to her home. Maggie freaks out, calling her because the prince from 1890 matched that of a 15 year old Elias Mannix. Once again, I empathize. She's like, are y'all fucking with me? It's just someone fucking with me. Why is this happening? And clearly I'm being taken for a ride and learning in the aftermath of whatever is happening. And as an officer, that can't be a comfortable feeling. She then goes to see Elias, who's being held and soon to be transferred. He's taken a beat down from the guards because they think he's responsible for the officer that was blown up. He knows that it's lonely dealing with the madness that's occurring, but having no allies in it and admits to not knowing that he himself takes on the identity of Julian Harker and confirms dies at age 99 in 1941 murdered by a cop. He did have a long, rich, wealthy life. But there's nothing worse than knowing the day that you're going to die. Helgi, he really is Helgi. 
Elias never knew his dad, but his mother, Sarah, is an addict or was an addict who kept creepy company. And the last thing he wants is for his mom to know about him. With Maggie's help, Hassan quickly is able to track down the birth mother, Sarah, who feels immense guilt about signing her son over to foster care at the age of four. At the time, she wasn't in the right place. It feels like she's in a better place now. And when she did reach out, she was told by the Morleys that Elias did not want to see her. Considering what they are a part of, I think that it's more what the Morley said than what Elias said, even though Elias just said that. Sarah was a teen herself when she met Danny and got pregnant. Danny, the baby daddy, is the great grandson of Harker and was living off of a trust fund. But as soon as she told him she was pregnant, all she got was the lawyers and Danny disappeared. You are the father. This is where my brain starts to break just a little bit, because if I have this right, Elias went back in time. Well, okay, at 15, he blew up the world or did something. He set off a bomb that created the New World Order. Then as an adult, he went back in time to 1890, met my guest, Polly. They had a child, which is the guy we see as the sergeant of the police. And then that child ended up being Barber. And then Barber had a child that ended up being Elias, who is his great, 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 great grandson or grandfather. He gave birth to his own grandfather. <sighs> See, this is when time travel starts to fuck with my brain a lot. But I know that that's something that's it's not incestual no that would not be the correct term for it but it definitely makes for a very complicated family tree Hassan knows there is no Daniel Harker in the Harker tree because she looked and that's when the other shoe drops Danny took his mother's name Barber no no fucking no and furthermore why I should have seen that coming from the 1941 storyline but it still was a shocker that makes sense that he would be the the males would go into law enforcement not only because it seems to be a family tradition but that they would want to be in a position where if they needed to track certain events or things that were happening they would be the first to know particularly in that area being long harvest lane they would have been what's the word i'm looking for mm, no because they were having this debate and freaking uh, an informant no that's not the right word <laughs> i'm looking for <laughs> They have managed to to basically have a lot of time to 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 formulate the the layout for what came in the future because they already knew what that was. I'm sure there's a word for it, but right now I'm not looking for it. Inceptionized. 
he calls and immediately knows where she is saying give sarah my love we'll see you soon i was like oh man i was rooting for your friendship Barber has taken Elias because when Hassan goes back to headquarters, he's missing and so is the child. She goes to his home and finds a key with a sticky next to it and her name and starts to play the record with Elias, who is recalling everything about how they met earlier, like it was yesterday that you're in my father's home. And as the old man promises that they will meet again. 2053. Iris is transported to Chapel Perilous with Defoe. Sad he tricked her. But considering that she herself is tricking him. Her indignation does not not track. But no, she'll understand once she learns their objective. She has a hood placed on her head. Her friend Lorna is not playing around before being introduced to their leader, Hassan. I have several questions. That was another one of those I should have known moments because that makes all of the sense. But I kept thinking Defoe was in charge and it didn't occur to me that Hassan would also be in the future. I just assumed she would wait, how do they survive the bomb if her son dies? We're getting a little ahead of ourselves. She got the Don King look going on. And despite Iris's hostility, which was repaid in kind, Hey, don't touch me, bitch! She is encouraged by her followers to take it easy. Defoe trusts Iris and Hassan cryptically, cryptically, I can't use words today, remarks, maybe that's the reason you die <laughs> before everyone leaves. She catches Iris up on everything, including that time travel is real. And that Mannix travels back in time to create a cult that will manifest events so that at 15, he himself triggers the bomb that creates the new world order where he and his cult prosper. You ain't got to take my word for it. I was there. All that's needed now is for Mannix to travel back and create the same events which he already has done. So they are stuck in this utopia. Well, here's utopic fix where everyone is loved, except they aren't. And my guess is they are trying to find a way to break the cycle from continuing in this loop. Iris looks doubtful. I don't know why she would be doubtful considering that Mannix himself said they're trying, they're trying to create time travel. That also means that her father and son died that day as she was trying to help another child. It sucks. On the mini recordings, the one we heard last week, in fact, Mannix had made mention of her name, that she is important, but Hassan doesn't know if she's a friend or a foe. Hence the treatment. Iris calls it all a crock of shit. Are you not a cop? Can you at least look at the evidence? And then she's told to be taken to the throat. Defoe's trust of her is going to lead to his death. (laughs) But it may be the thing that gets through to her, even though it doesn't feel as if she's on their side. Because Mannix needs time travel and Iris knows it's real. 
And while she said it was fantasies, it seems at the end, while you're standing next to the man, he definitely went in. They take her further into the base and unzip tie her, explaining their only goal is to stop the bomb from being detonated. Iris does have a valid question. What happens to everyone else that existed only afterwards? That's when she reveals that her son has died or her son had died. Probably explains why she doesn't wear a scarf anymore. Probably because they're hard to come by. But also she may have lost faith. Maplewood admits that she is not their friend. It just as sirens go off showing that Mannix has her location. As his troops come in and shoot everyone, Hassan almost tries to kill Maplewood, but Defoe stops her from doing so and they just tie her up. The mission now being to protect him. And that is pretty much where we end it with Mannix leading uh, her to the throw, asking specifically what they told her, and then him being mesmerized by what he's seen. We also know that there is a black field or a dark negative field around it right now that prevents him from being able to use it. But I have a feeling he's going to find a way, probably threatening Maplewood. And then Defoe is going to want to save her and do as he's told. Because clearly he knows more than he should because he's from the future. And maybe you wouldn't have got played like this, miss, if you would have listened. Or even looked at the evidence, for fuck's sake. Our last story arc in 1890 is with Alfred. And this is the one that really bothered me because Alfred should have known what was coming. And I kind of feel like Alfred deserved what was coming, which was his own reckoning that he himself decided to enact by not, by not being honest or not pursuing justice at all costs. I don't know. There was a lot of bars being dropped by Harker in their scenes. And I'm not sure (laughs) that Alfred came out looking like the winner or the victim. Let me know, blackercouch.gmail.com. Your ignorance of the matter is quite breathtaking to behold. You know nothing, Jon Snow. That's the words his boss tells Hillinghead when he presents him with the evidence of the fingerprint, dismisses it like it's not even real evidence. Once again, Hillinghead's quest for justice is not in line with all the corruption he has seen before him because the minute his boss was not intent on pursuing what you were putting down that should have told you all you needed to know about how far this was going to go but because you are stubborn maybe to a fault definitely to a fault and clearly your amnesia about what they may have against you hasn't crossed your mind his boss allows him to be questioned because he gets up in his face and he's like i want it and i want it now and you're gonna do as you're told he's like okay clearly with you everything needs to be learned the hard way he brings in julian and has his boss fetch him tea at the end of him leaving he said your boss makes good tea that's all he's good for 
Basically, unlike Calloway, you will get no help in that department. Harker seems to have a lot of respect for Alfred. He even calls him by his first name and Alfred doesn't check him on that at all. Like, hold on, how are you talking to me like we intimate? I never even had more than a drunken conversation with you. He admits that he's a brave man. And because of that, he'll tell him the truth, which isn't the truth, but riddles that he was there in the alley to get confirmation of a miracle. But maybe he isn't in riddles. Well, it's in riddles because you're not giving him the whole truth, right? Like, uh, I'm a time traveler. He wanted to know he was on the right path. How people wake up with shackles is how Alfred sees the world, sees people in the world. Harker is able to continue to play cat versus mouse, asking if when Alfred kneels before his God, does he believe he will be forgiven for his lies by persecuting others for theirs? You gonna learn today. That was point number one. Well, dragging the boss was point number two. Harker senses his own hypocrisy. Even in that moment when he vows to expose him and all of his friends. <laughs> he just casually took a sip of his tea and chuckled. Now we can do this the easy way or we can do it the hard way. The choice is yours. He pulls out the blackmail he so willfully forgot, Alfred that is, and shows him the compromising photos he has of a murdered person that is going to be associated with someone you murdered because of jealousy. Then tells him, I have no desire to expose you or torture the part of you that most deserves the light. Since love is your only weakness, it's not a crime, but your weakness, I'm going to use that against you in your pursuit of me to get you to choose if you are going to chase truth and stand in it or if you are going to continue your own lies because you can't throw glass when you live in a stone when you live in a glass house. He wants him to frame Henry for the murder of the body on Long Harvest or those photos will ruin him. If he can continue the lie, he and his family will be set or he himself can be exposed and deposed with the same righteous fevra he possesses for justice felt rather poetic even if it's not a, a crime like he says you're doing nothing criminal but they will treat you like a criminal and i will have you killed or hanged as a criminal but that's because you couldn't leave shit alone leaving and tells him he never knew who killed the foe but it wasn't him in a rage, he leaves and goes home to see Polly, who has come very far from the piano playing a teenager to Mannix's, what, wife, lover, accomplice? I'm not sure. But she had sparkles in her eyes last time we saw her. And you only get dressed up when it's a boy. <laughs> or you want to talk to your daddy about it. It's definitely a boy. So yeah. Um, 
Is he going to come clean to his family? Do you think him coming clean? I don't think that him coming clean would do anything for them. Or maybe that's the thing. It's more like I'm going to come clean about everything. And this is what I have to do to make it right. Maybe get some permission from them. And then if he doesn't, because I can't see him framing an innocent person, particularly someone he fell in love with and recent love too. Like I ain't even let myself open, be this vulnerable with anyone else type of love. And he said, I'm more worried about you than me. He's not going to frame Henry. However, he is signing his own death warrant if he doesn't do as much, but maybe he'll just explain like, hey, I'm sorry. Like I made these choices Kind of the same way Carl is right now. I've made these choices. You know, I have to live with the consequence of those choices. But at the same time, I'm not a bad person. Right. And I think that's kind of the, the, the through line, even though I don't see it so much with Hassan. Maybe that's just the future version of her. I don't know. But I do feel with Maplewood having chosen the commander in the New World Order versus her family, she's made some selfish decisions. Doesn't make her a bad person. Even the the decision to give up Perilous Chapel, you're talking about, she goes, you're trying to brainwash me? It's like, no, you're already brainwashed. (laughs) I'm just trying to educate you on the facts. You can make the decision yourself. But yeah, that's all I really have. I'm a little tired. I'll be honest. So I hope I gave enough enthusiasm for this episode. (laughs) I ranked it at 8.4 out of 10. I do continue to like the transitions, but this one did tread just a little bit of water, even though there were a couple of Clutch Your Pearls moments. Once again, if you want to send feedback, you know what to do. Like, share, subscribe. Until the next time, peace, hair grease, and blacker magic.